Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm Steve King. Alongside me this week is Bob Carvella. Bob, welcome to the Liberty B-Side Podcast. It's great to be back. This is, I think, my third time on the podcast, so uh, always a good time. Uh, this is my first time solo with you, though, Steve. This is dangerous, Bob. I know. This first is time I had you and Matt, then I had Matt, okay. now I have you. Yeah. Does that mean next time it'll just be me? I, I don't know so. how this exactly works. Bob, so. we brought you in today to let you know that next week, Matt and I are just, we're not even going anywhere. We don't have vacation. We're just not going to do it. It's just going to be you. We're just going to tell you it's you. We'll probably just actually be somewhere else in the church with our feet up on a table somewhere. Yeah. Sure, no. So um, tune in again in two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, that's right. For the next B-Side podcast. Uh, this is this could be this could be the Liberty Baseball podcast. This You oh, and I in the room talking about baseball really is what this podcast could be. Well, it could easily devolve or evolve into that. It could that. evolve. This could, this could, could evolve. be one we of the could, more memorable B-Side I was going to say, I was going to say, and now we went we went to the bullpen to bring in Bob Carvella as our bench hitter. You're gonna des- you're the designated hitter today for Matt. I was gonna use as many baseball references as possible. Yeah, yeah. And they might show up. We'll see what happens. They may. They may. So, you know, I thought of something the other day. I didn't realize this, and this is kind of a sad thing. I'm a I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Pirate fan. It's been a really rough forty years. <laughs> I life. I, it's been a rough life. I okay. actually <laughs> attended okay. the last two World Series games that have been really? played in Pittsburgh. I never knew that. I didn't know yep. that. Yep, games, uh, what would that be, four and five okay. of 1979. Wow. So, the last two in Pittsburgh. I, I do say I'm a die, you have to say a diehard fan when, you're, when your team's not doing well. Yeah. You don't really say that when your team's going no, well. No, you're right? not a diehard Yankees fan. Well, I mean, I am, but I wouldn't say that. Right. I am a diehard Yankees fan, but I wouldn't say that because it needs no introduction. I do say I'm a diehard Knicks fan. Oh, well, there you because go. Because the Knicks... For about as half as long as what your 40-year description was of the Pirates there. For yeah. about 20 years, really just actually more than 20 years now, the Knicks have been terrible. Yeah. Really unreliable. Yeah. But this is this is where I, I can't go on a tangent because I could just I could get going. You could fire me up here. Yeah. We could talk about all things baseball and We we, we better go back to, to what we we're here to talk about. What are we here to talk about? Um uh, what is that again? The no, goodness no. of God. Yeah, yeah. The, the goodness, goodness of, God. of God. Bob, you're here because you preached yesterday. I did. You did? Did you forget? <laughs> you gave me a look like. Oh no! Did that really happen? It happened. So you you did preach. Give us a give us a ninety second summary of um, the goodness of God um, sermon you gave yesterday on the source of goodness. That's where we are in week two. Is week two of our series here in the goodness of God? Yeah. So you know, it, as things worked out, and and looking at the the other topics that we'll be tackling in the coming weeks. Fortunately, people other than me, um, uh, and some of the hard issues that come up when we think about the goodness of God, uh, it did seem to me that it, like this, the idea of the source of goodness was a good place to lay a foundation. And, and I really do think that foundation is found in the creation narrative. And so that's what I tried to develop yesterday that, that simply in creation and in, in God creating the world, um, and saying over and over again it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that should always be our starting point. And and 
uh, it was good for me. I was thankful when I first became a Christian back in college. I got connected with a campus ministry organization, Coalition for Christian Outreach, now known as CCO, um, that really emphasized this, the, the idea of the, the goodness of creation and, and the idea that of the cultural <clears throat> mandate that it, God gave us the responsibility to open up all the goodness that he built into his creation. So that was that was right in some of my uh, sweet spot in terms of the early days of my discipleship. So that was uh, good to talk about some of those things. And and I thought it was just helpful. It just seemed as, a, as if as when I was preparing the sermon to talk about it in the context of our own body and, mm-hmm. and some of the ways that we see God's goodness being expressed in the life of specific people in our church. Yeah. So that, that was fun to do. And then, um, to talk about that, uh, at the end in terms of God's goodness, even in redemption, especially in redemption in the person of Christ, how he, he redeems our life from the pit and all the different ways that we experience God's goodness in redemption. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you for preaching yesterday. Did a great job with that. Thanks. Um, today we have, we have two questions in one. We had one questioner submit two separate questions. Can Not, we get to pick which one we, you we, know? We get to pick. Yeah. Get, yeah we get, well, we can see who's going to, which one's going to, you know, that lead off for us and which one we take. See? Well, there we go. Okay, there's one. All right. So, um, now neither of these questions is exactly related to the source of goodness. So, yes, you preached on that yesterday. It's going to show <laughs> up here. You're feeling like this is like, this was like a bait and switch. This was like a rope and dope. That's right. These, like, these are questions that should have been for Matt last that's week. That's right. Matt should have answered these questions. Yes. And now, now we're stuck with them. Okay. So, but that's okay. That's okay. So, it, truly, a really good question. Good, good question. Good questions. Very good questions come in. Um, and we'll get to them. So, just a reminder we're in this Goodness of God series. Um, and, we're, it's, it is topical. We're on a to- the topic yes. of the goodness of God. And so unlike walking through Acts or Philippians, and I know you've maybe heard us say this already before, but anybody listening for the first time, each and every, each week of the, uh, the taste and see, learn to trust the goodness of God series, we'll kind of just jump around scripture and, and how we really come to understand and know, um, and functionally believe and see the goodness of God in our lives as Christians. So yesterday was the source all of the questions we could get any week. And so send them in yes. could be related to anything related yes. to God's goodness. In addition to that, also related to any readings in the gentle and lowly book that our Bible study groups are reading right now, the book by Dane Ortland. And so that actually shows up yes. in one of the questions today too. So please bring any questions related to God's goodness. Don't worry about if it was specifically related to the sermon um, or where other Bible studies are at. Even this question today comes from a chapter that I know my Bible study is not yet at, right? Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Just send in questions at any time. So yeah. let's jump in here. Here's the first one. If goodness is an umbrella term, as Pastor Matt mentioned in his first sermon of the series, why is goodness listed in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, along with some of those other specific descriptive terms that were mentioned as part of goodness, such as patience and etc.? That's the question. Just a quick reminder for all of our listeners. Uh, yes, in, in the in the, the first sermon of the series, Matt introduced this umbrella term or description definition of goodness. And, and part of that really is the goodness of God being his inclination to deal well and bountifully with his creatures. It is whole it is his whole catalog of mercy, grace, long suffering, abundance of truth, all summed up in this one word. And so that's this overarching definition of goodness that we're using. The questioner is then saying, well, if that's the 
if that's the umbrella term, the definition, why, why and how does goodness show up as a fruit of the Spirit in mm-hmm. Galatians? Yeah. So one, a couple things that struck me uh, from the question. Uh, one is, um, it is it is not fruits of the Spirit, but it's fruit of the Spirit. So all of these things that we see in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, uh, they are fruit of the Spirit. So <clears throat> I remember in college, we would uh, sometimes get in discussions about what are your spiritual gifts, and we would identify those. And, and then some people would even say, well, what, what fruit of the Spirit do you have? And it's not that we're supposed that we have some of these, but not all of them. If we have the Spirit living in us, we have all of this fruit living in us. And hopefully, as we go through life and as we uh, grow and walking with the Lord, uh, these fruit become more and more evident in our lives. So, um, so that that was one thing. And then the other thing I thought of is even though they are listed here as. Uh, nine, I guess it is, distinct um, elements, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They, there is, they're distinct, but there is overlap there. So, so as we um, express love to another uh, believer or another person, we're, we're also expressing goodness. Um, as we express patience with somebody who is struggling with sin or going through a difficult time in their life, we're expressing goodness. As we express love to somebody, we're expressing goodness. All of those things sort of fit together. So they're umbrella terms. If we were doing a series on patience, we could say that patience is an umbrella term that encompasses goodness and kindness and those sorts of things, love. But since our our focus for this series is on goodness, we're using that as an umbrella term that captures a number of these other things. Yeah, yeah, and so even that—that's a good—that's a good, that's a good um, reflection there. Maybe we distinguish that against maybe the gifts of the spirit. So some we would say some could have certain gifts, but not all gifts. If you have the fruit of the spirit, you may see these separate expressions of the fruit. And they are dis- they are distinct from each other, right? They're not just synonyms, right? Right. So even kindness and goodness, not just synonyms, um, and yet they all are tied to and, and very much um, reflective of the synergy. There's synergy that exists between all of the fruit. Yeah. So you could even experience, or you could see and receive, feel. You could also give and represent um, one of these distinct fruits. I'm using it as a plural there, distinct fruits differently than another, and yet it's all fruit of the Spirit. Even to the point of, as a Christian, uh, we wouldn't say something like, um, oh, well, I do that fruit, but not that one. Right. (laughs) Like, oh, that's a fruit that I'm really... So even that question, you're like, yeah, when I, back in the day, when you're sitting around talking with your guy, your your friends, and they're like, hey, what fruit do you have? It's like, well, we should all, we should have all of them. Yeah. Maybe there are periods of life or even moments where like, well, I am definitely demonstrating this or I'm, I'm growing in this specifically, but truly they're all fruit of the spirit that you can't parse them apart from each other. They, they come as a package. <laughs> and right. Now it's like, are we growing in each of them? And if not, okay, that, that would actually reflect um, an, uh, if certainly an opportunity, but maybe even a weakness or a, 
something that does need to be addressed in our lives as to why we wouldn't be reflecting and growing in all of these. Sure. So, you know, through the process of sanctification, there may be, we, you know, as we evaluate where we're at, we may see that um, self-control continues to be an area of struggle. Sure. Um, so it's not that all of these fruit, you're, you're always in the process of sanctification at the same place with all of them. Um, so self-control could be a weakness. Patience could be a weakness uh, for uh, parents out there. Patience can sometimes be a weakness. I don't know what you're talking about, Bob. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we don't necessarily grow, you know, all at the same time in all of these areas, but they all are a single fruit that, uh, by God's grace, through the process of sanctification, we're growing in all yeah. of these areas. Yep. And should look to grow in all of these areas. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Maybe even so, another reflection I have on that. That's a good question. Um, as I said a moment, I said a moment ago, I'm catching myself and I want to go, I want to explain it a moment where they're not just synonyms. And I said kindness and goodness, which may be in that, in the list of the fruit of the spirit, they could be most they're pretty easily, close. pretty close, right? So what I would even mean by that would be why this definition too, I think is a helpful one that we talked about before the series. If God's goodness um, right here, it's in front of me, is to, it's his inclination to deal well and bountifully with his creatures. This, there's this, this, this posture that God has toward his people. It's his catalog of mercy and grace, long suffering, abundance of truth. So it's a posture towards someone. Our goodness towards someone is our, is our desire to be a blessing toward yes. them. Um, it's our, it's our willingness and our ability to exhibit ourselves as being holy towards someone to demonstrate our virtue toward them in our in, in seeking their greatest good in that mm-hmm, regard mm-hmm. whereas maybe i'd say in kindness kindness could be a a disposition to be considerate um so thinking about um you know where, where it's like if if we were to ask if we were to ask god of, of something how, how how would he not give that to us yeah. um like a parent would give something to his child or if we think about in First John, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in needs, but does not meet those needs, how 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 could he be loving that person? Well, that gesture of love might even be more appropriately de- described as kindness, yeah. right? You're giving up, you're being generous in what you're in in that posture. Yes. The posture is one of goodness. Mm-hmm. So they always are interacting with sure. each other. Yeah. There's a lot of synergy, but they're also distinct. Yes. So yeah, yeah that's a really good. Really good question there, and and, and a question that um, kind of applies to the overarching series, um, and then even as we're as we're learning about uh, gen, you know God's kindness, Him being gentle and lowly in yes. the book, gentle and lowly. Yes, because I think even early in that book, um, kindness is a word that's used to describe when we're talking about God as being gentle. It's Him being kind. Yes, um, and so that's that's a, there's a good chapter in there about that. Yeah, let's go to the second question. Okay. And this one actually goes right to a reference right to the book. of Gentle and Lowly, and it's going to page 57. So if you want to pause here, get your book, do so. We're going to page 57, which is at the end of chapter 5. Here's the question. On page 57 of the Gentle and Lowly book, it states, The deeper into weakness and suffering and testing we go, the deeper Christ's solidarity with us. As we go down into pain and anguish... We are descending ever deeper into Christ's very heart. That's the quote. Here's the question. If we live a relatively pain and suffering free life, um, or if we're in a stretch of that maybe in our lives currently, what does that look like? How can we press into a greater weakness? 
So a question here related to like, what, what does that mean to, to go deeper into the, into our own weakness and suffering that then we would go deeper into Christ's solidarity? What if we don't have this weakness or this suffering, this pain in our lives? Does, uh, you know, we ran into somebody who was in, um, this person's Bible study mm-hmm. and asked some similar questions. Yes. And we kind of said, oh, we got a question about this. And they said, oh, that sounds like the same Bible study conversation. So we just learned um, a little bit more about some of their discussion, too, was even the question of can somebody know Christ more or better or differently because of suffering? Maybe that's a little question within this question as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a framing of that question. Let's jump into that. Go right ahead. So, Bob, I'll have you that. Bob, um, this, like, is the, this is the way this works, Bob. I'm just here. I'm just, I'm the color commentator. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll, no, jump, no. I'll jump in. I've no, 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 I'll yeah. go ahead. So, um, yeah, so there are certainly seasons in all of our lives. You know, the Bible says, um, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes. So, while we do certainly go through seasons and sometimes prolonged seasons by God's grace, and we praise Him for that and we thank Him for that, that that our that the circumstances of our life are relatively trouble free, or at least are um, <clears throat> common kinds of troubles that we kind of get used to dealing with every day, and so we, you know, it's kind of our level set of issues that we have to deal with. Yeah. Um, we still have the issue of the sin and the brokenness that continues to reside within us. And, you know, I think about Paul in Romans 7 and he how he writes about, you know, I, I there's nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I desire to do what is right. I can't. <clears throat> the things I don't want to do, I do. There's still a sense where as we look internal internally, even if our external circumstances are relatively trouble free, we still have the issue of pain of sin that dwells within us. And if we look deeply enough into that and take that seriously enough, um, there there is much room for pain and anguish as we examine our hearts. And it's there that we still continue uh to experience the the uh, Christ's heart, uh, he came for sinners such as us, and and he identifies with our weakness, even if he, which he never did sin, but he was tempted in those same ways that we are. And so, I think even from that sense, as we press into the sin in our lives and recognize it, uh, we can experience Christ's heart in greater and greater ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, first a first reaction that I had to this question was um, the picture of the of, of the gospel grid. So it's a it's an outline. It's a it's a um, <clears throat> kind of a tool that's in gospel centered life mm-hmm. book. And so if you can imagine me with me here, this it's it's really a lot of it is based even on on Jeremiah. And this you know this reflection and this um, this understanding Jeremiah comes to of like the more he sees. God for who he is, the more wretched he sees himself as being. Yes. Um, and so the gospel grid concept is this. It's this recognition that we're always in our lives growing in an understanding of God's holiness. We can never arrive there. The more we learn about God, the more we come to learn that we don't know all the what there is to know about God's holiness. So if you can picture the gospel grid, the tool is this. 
if you picture like a starting point and from that starting point rises a line you know to the right and it's ever growing upward right it's like we're always growing throughout our lives um, of God and understand God's holiness um, well from that same starting point again just as Jeremiah the more we learn of God's holiness the more we learn of our own sin and depravity and our need for God and so from that same starting point think of this line going ever moving downward and to the right. So as your life moves forward, there's this gap always growing. Yes. God's holiness rising, the understanding of our sin and depravity going downward, and this gap continues to get larger and larger and larger just as we come to understand God's holiness and our own sin. Well, what fills that gap is the cross of Christ. And so on any point of that, if you've drawn this out on a piece of paper, if you can imagine it, at any point on this grid, you can draw a cross that spans God's holiness down to our sin, right? That's how we're reconciled and brought to a holy God is, is the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, again, though, since the lines are always expanding apart from each other, the more we understand God's holiness, the more we understand our own sin, the cross has to get larger to span the lines that are growing apart from each other. And that's the reflection of our greater and greater appreciation and understanding of the cross of Christ. So whereas any one of us in our lives as Christians you know, could go like, oh, wow, the cross of Christ was really important. Actually, the more we come to learn about God and the more we understand and see ourselves for who we are, the more we start to marvel and fall with humility at the cross and go like, goodness gracious, I thought the cross was important 10 years ago. Now I've come to learn so much more about God and myself. The cross is even more important than I thought it was. And so um, that comes to mind. Like, is there that that question of like, um, what does it look like for us to live a relatively or pain-free or suffering-free life? Well, that's always relative to the moment. Yes. Um, and in hitting that question, maybe I'm thinking of that question that the, the Bible study, uh, uh, um, what I want to put here. The, the person we uh, talked to. fellow Bible study yes. member. I'm trying to think of like, I wouldn't say they're classmate. I was going to say like, <laughs> I was going to say like they're, they're compadre. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a much better word. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Um, they were asking, like, "Is it? Can you can you know something more about Christ with more suffering?" Well, I don't want to say that you can learn something better about Christ, but I do think that we can. Like, I don't think that someone who suffers less knows a lesser Christ. I wouldn't right. say that. I would say that the more we suffer and the more pain we experience, just like the more we recognize our own sin, the greater appreciation we have of Christ, mm-hmm. and this idea of greater solidarity. Um, maybe that, maybe that's a little bit of a, a difference there, but I do think it still applies that we have to provide answers and, and come to understand God's posture and goodness towards us. Mm -hmm. And when we have pain and suffering, those answers and that posture is questioned, right? And that, that'd be very natural, be very natural. It's like, we want to be a church. Please let's be a church people that bring questions to each other and invite other people to bring questions to you and to the church. We don't, we don't uh, posture ourselves as um, being rid of suffering and pain because we're Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Not far from all. the case. You met, you already quoted Christ, right? In this world, you will have suffering. But take heart. I've overcome the world, right? And so we know we're going to have suffering. We finished um, Acts a couple weeks ago, right? In Acts 14, Paul talks a lot about, like, you're going to have suffering in this world. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about his own suffering in his life. Um, so... Yeah, I, I maybe I'll pause here for a moment, get any reflections you have. I would say we will have a greater understanding of God's goodness to us 
when, when we do have pain and suffering. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we have a lesser relationship or, or understanding of Christ if we have less pain and suffering, but the pain and suffering is not left. It's not left wasted. It right. only oh, brings no. us to a greater understanding yes. of God's heart for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I'm speaking for myself. One of the mistakes that I've made over the years is that in those seasons of relative, you know, being relatively pain free, not being in a, in a difficult season, um, I've probably had a tendency to, to some extent, put my faith on the shelf and say, I'm at a good spot right mm. now. Um, don't I, rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Just, you know, <clears throat> kind of cruise through right now. I think those seasons where it, where we are relatively pain free are seasons when we can be, uh, preparing and, and studying God's word, uh, growing, you know, really trying to, to grow in our faith because we will have suffering in this world. There will be seasons in our life when we are, as some people put it, in a wilderness situation where uh, it's a really hard season. I don't know anybody, it, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, who've, who's gone from beginning to end without having a challenging season in their life, without having difficulty, without having pain, without <clears throat> having suffering. If we use these seasons when we're not suffering uh, to grow in our faith, uh, I think we position ourselves so that when we're in the wilderness, we have scripture to fall back on. We have um, we have fellow uh, Christians to lean on. We have uh, ways that we can walk through those seasons. And in those seasons, then really recognize to a greater degree, when we're not suffering, we can say, I know God loves me. Mm-hmm. When we're in the wilderness, we can say, wow, does God really love me? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we can see it just in almost like in technicolor, to use a term from 50 years ago that nobody probably knows anymore. But but just the the, the, the vibrancy of it uh, can really take on a, a great dimension that maybe during uh, times when we're not suffering is is not there as much. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. his love is still there. We just experience it in to a much more heightened sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that reminds me of Job um, near the I don't know the exact chapter, but near the end of Job, where Job says, I have I have heard I had heard of thee by the hearing of my ears. So I've heard of the, thee by my ears, but now I see you yes. with my eyes. Yes, yes, yes. And so Job knew and had a real relationship with God. He knew God. He was faithful, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who who in the world can you find more faithful than Job? Right. Um, and that was only by the hearing of his ear, or, or so it says here, right? And so um, we, could, we could probably get into a lot more of that. So it wasn't just that Job heard, right? It's like yeah. he was living faithfully, and yet it was through suffering. And through the like, just pain, right? Was, I mean, through adversity, <laughs> that he came to see God more greatly. Yeah. So it didn't mean that there was a. So I don't want to say that there was a lesser faith that Job had previously, but there is a greater picture of God, and that's just that's why the gospel grid came to mind for me before. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and, and I also thought about, uh, I wrote this one down, like in, in Luke 7, you know, the parable of um, uh, the, the, the one who's forgiving of a debt, mm-hmm. right? It's like that the one who's uh, forgiven much loves much. Mm-hmm. 
the one who's forgiven little loves little, right? And so Job is one of these persons that we look in scripture, we go like, well, this was someone who like was forgiven much, right? Loved much by God, restored greatly by God to the point of his love toward God grew, mm-hmm. right? So any one of us in our pain and suffering does actually give us this opportunity to love more than maybe previously. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not parsing out to say that there's a, there's a, a, a different value of justification, right? Or a different value of the salvation that someone would experience. Mm-hmm. But truly there is an experience of God and seeing God. And part of that comes through our human frame. Like the, those that, those that endure war and those that endure questioning God's goodness in the midst of not just suffering, not just pain that this world gives, mm-hmm. there's real pain that shows up in our frailty. You know, like the person who is injured or disabled um, or cut or experiences great harm or their body fails them. That's pain. There's other sufferings that we endure. when We actually look around and go like there are people killing other people. What do I do with that? Like yeah. I'm in the midst. I'm thinking of, I always love thinking, you know, you know, through the lens of like World War II. It's like when you imagine, you know, going like, hey, there are people in the world we want to kill. Well, when you're trying to escape people killing you, how do you make sense of God's goodness? You know, when you see people hanging on gallows, how do you make, where's God in that? You know, and so we do come to see God's faithfulness and goodness to us in those moments in a way that's deeper, deeper to say God in his in his, Christ and his humanity also received all of the temptation that we would wrestled with all of the frailty of the, of the, of human flesh did so without sin, but therefore like we have a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses yeah. as a result. The other, you know, as you were talking there, Steve, I thought about the, the ending of Romans eight and you know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And then it goes on at the end there. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can read that um, and believe it and praise God for it. Yeah. But when we're going through tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or <clears throat> nakedness or danger or sword, when, when we're really going through that mm-hmm. and we experience the, the truth that none of that separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, it's one thing to read it and believe it. It's another thing to live it and yeah. experience it and then be able to say, Thank you, God, that you are with me even through this hard season in my life and um, nothing, not even this situation I'm going through, as painful as it is, can separate me from your love. I think you just experience that in such a deep way that that just helps you to grow in your faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know, maybe the one aspect of the specific question I want to, I think we've answered this for sure. We've talked about it. This is great too, Bob, when we get questions in the hour leading up to a podcast, I think any one of us, please know, like we, we sometimes leave a podcast going like, Oh wow. There's so much more oh, we yeah. want to say yeah. our mind. Like I'll, I'll probably, you know, tonight just be like sitting back on like, Oh, there's, I should have brought that up. But the specific question of um, how can we press into a greater weakness? You know, so if anybody, if anybody's wondering 
well, I'm still relative. I'm still living a relatively pain and suffering free life. That's this person even writes. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, what, what came to mind for me there specifically was Second Peter, right at the beginning of Second Peter one, um, and well, verses three to nine anyway. And so the idea of um, making every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, your knowledge with self control, self control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Right. And then it says for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, right, showing that as we're being sanctified, we're growing in these things. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, it says, um, therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And so now I should actually say verse nine too. Forever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So in this, I think there's all this tension, there's all this revelation of it's because of our forgiveness. We've been loved much that now we're going to love much. Yep. But in God's sanctification of us, we're growing in all these qualities. And so if anybody's wondering, well, I'm still kind of living a relatively pain and suffering free life. I'd say just keep pouring into the growth that comes with a Christian. I think any one of us, yeah. we can do this. We might be prone to do it at times, but you have to actually remove yourself from the process of sanctification to like not find suffering and pain in life. Yeah. Now, maybe you'd look and say, hey, my pain, my suffering isn't as much as that person over there. Right. Well, we're always going to do that. Oh, you're yeah. not you're not as worse off as that other person. We're not in a war-torn moment in central Pennsylvania, like we like other countries around the world, not just Ukraine, but other right. countries find themselves in. Yeah. You may not have a, a debilitating injury or something in your life right now. You may not feel death and despair around you in your life as much as you might see in other people throughout culture. Okay, that's always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. You may always point ourselves and say, I'm relatively better or worse than someone else. I'd say that's not as important as the, the if you're committed to growing your sanctification, just by um, increasing in in brotherly affection with love for others, relationships will bring you pain and suffering. Yeah. Just pour into people in your life and around yourself. Don't hide yourself from where God's called you to love others in your neighborhood or in the church where your kids go to school, where you go to school, wherever it may be. If you build relationships with other people, you will find hardship. Yeah. You'll find pain and suffering at oh, times, yeah. and you'll be able to grow in that sanctification. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just even as I mentioned uh, a little bit at the beginning of my sermon yesterday, there are people in our church right now who are going through hard situations, uh, difficult times in their in their life because of things that, that have happened, either deaths or Ill, injury or illness or surgery or whatever. Um, and we're called to bear one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. So even if I personally am not going through that. We can enter into each other's pain and suffering and the wilderness time that they're going through yeah. and walk through those seasons with them. And in doing that, we also will grow. Yeah, that's good. Bob, thanks for joining the podcast this week. Oh, it's been a yesterday. Yeah. We, we, uh, we stayed on topic. Okay. For the most part. For the most part. We didn't talk about the designated hitter, which was a good thing. No, no. And we could. We could spend the next 10 minutes. For anyone listening right now, the next 10 minutes... <laughs> 
Were we talking about the proposed rule changes in Major League Baseball? Um, there's some people in our, in our congregation that would actually hang on for the next 10 minutes. Oh, not, yeah. Maybe not everyone. We maybe not everyone. Maybe yeah. there might even be people who would turn the their stereo up at this oh, point. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. No. Don't tempt me now. So, all right. Hey, thanks, everyone, for joining, for listening. Um, blessings to you this week uh, in your time with Bible studies. You continue to read through and discuss Gentle and Lowly. As you have questions about that reading... Um, anything related to the goodness of God, even if a question comes up that you thought that you thought about now that applied to a sermon you heard last week, and as that continues, ask the questions, bring them, we love them. Yes, as a matter of fact, just as these questions somewhat related more to Matt's sermon last week, send questions next week that related to my sermon. I won't be here. I won't be here. Let them answer. Oh, I see how that worked. Okay. That's, that's yeah. Way, way to pass that off. All right. Way to just keep the line moving. That's, that's it. Good. Keep right. it moving. There it is. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you uh, for listening again. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.